Hey, so welcome, guys. If, you, if it is your first time or first time in a while, we are in the midst of our series. Actually, I think, countdown, we probably have three, maybe four more of these, and that's it. And then we're moving into our next series, which I'm also excited about. So, oh, just so much exciting things. I can tell you guys are excited, too. Thank you, Chaselyn. I need that. There's my friendly face today. All right, welcome. Uh, it is walking, not welcome with Jesus. That's silly. Walking with Jesus. And what we're doing is we're going through the Gospel of John, and we're walking figuratively with Jesus. And, um, yeah, that's the gist of it. So, it's okay if you've missed other weeks because, you know, you can hop right in this week with where Jesus is walking. You guys remember what we talked about last week at all? The story, what? What did she say, gold? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so Jesus has uh, brought, had raised someone from the dead, right? You remember this? And uh, after that, we kind of pick up the story there, typically. Today's a little different. I want to do a little bit in spirit of the holiday season. I want to I talk about something that will sort of lead us into Christmas. This won't be on the, the screen today, but you can just read along with me the, as we move forward. So John um, chapter 11, make sure I'm right here, see if I don't have my notes. Yeah, chapter 11, starting at verse 45. So right after Jesus said, loose him and let him go, he raised Lazarus from the dead. This is what we get. Therefore, many of the Jews who came to Mary and saw what he did believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So the chief priests and the Pharisees convened the Sanhedrin and said, What are we going to do since this man does many signs? If we let him continue in this way, everyone will believe in him. Then the Romans will come and remove both our place and our nation. One of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all. You're not considering that it is to your advantage that one man should die for the people rather than the whole nation perish. He did not say this on his own, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus was going to die for the nation, and not for the nation only, but also to unite the scattered children of God. So from that day on, they plotted to kill him. Therefore, Jesus no longer walked openly among the Jews, but departed from there to the countryside near the wilderness to a town called Ephraim, and he stayed there with the disciples. 53, so from that day on, they plotted to kill him. It's interesting, the high priest didn't realize he was prophesying at that moment, right? He was saying, you don't get it. We need to kill this guy. And the reason was, if we don't kill him, he is going to um, cause the Romans. Remember I told you a bunch of messiahs had risen up at times to overthrow the government. And he's going to show up, and they're, they're going to take away everything we have. You think they were really worried about their people? Maybe. Some of them might have been. Isn't that scary that you, you can come up with good reasons? Good reasons to disobey God. Good reasons to, to not trust and follow. But that's the gist of it. He had just done this incredible miracle. Raised someone from the dead. And instead of celebrating, they plotted to kill him. They, that was the moment when they decided he was going to die. Now, we have this picture of Jesus sometimes where he's kind of Superman. Not Clark Kent, Superman. So he sort of stands boldly with his hands on his, his hips in front of them, you know, unafraid, unabashedly bold. But why does it tell us that he no longer walked openly among them? How does it make you feel if you thought to yourself that Jesus was afraid? 
He was afraid. He was afraid. Now, people are going to say, well, Todd, that, it wasn't his time yet. That's true. But he, he was afraid. Imagine knowing the time, the date, and the way that you're going to die. And knowing that you have the choice to not go there. That at any moment you could say, no, I'm not doing this. But knowing you're going to. What motivated him? Love, right? It's a big thing we talk about in Christianity, love. But love even loses its meaning. Isn't it funny that love can become Christianese too? It's just a phrase. You know how I know that? Because we struggle to love each other. We'll talk later. He gives a commandment, and he says, I'm going to leave you with the greatest commandment. The last one, he says, here's, my, here's the, the, my last command. I want you to love each other as I have loved you. Do you do that? Do you love your spouse, your friends, the person next to you, the way that Jesus loved you? But you justify it. You have good reasons, right? We all, we all do. That's not my point today. My point is to, to, to make this love not Christianese. And in order to do that, we've got to humanize and remember that though Christ was fully God, he was also fully what? Man. What does it mean to be fully man? Well, we know that Jesus got angry. We saw that last week, right? Angry at sin, at hurt. We know that Jesus gets sad. How do we know? He's grieved. He cries. We know that Jesus is scared. We'll find out here soon when he asks his best friends to pray with him. Did you know he was scared on the cross? How do I know that? Why would he say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you turned your back on me? I was talking to some people yesterday. I've been obsessed with this lately, this idea of how crazy we are as Christians. Not everyone, some Christians. Some people do this. We come to church. I'm not saying this to the people in the front row, but you sit in the front row. Okay, I just, I just want to be clear. I'm not being passive aggressive here. You sit in the front row, and you're already waiting for it to be over. So you worship, and you sing, and you serve, but you don't do it cheerfully. Do you know why you do that? Right? Now, you have a bunch of good reasons. You're tired. You're sad. You're stressed. You have this and that. Todd's an idiot. I don't like hearing him talk. Whatever. <clears throat> Some of them might even be true. Um, but you st we still play the game. We don't like the game, but we play it. And I've never understood that. that it's, that's crazy. I'll be completely upfront with you. If Christ isn't real, and this all isn't real, I don't want to play this game. I want to go play a different game. I want to play the game where I win. I get ahead. I can look down on you. Right? God, no, man, I want to win. I want to be first. And I'm not first right now. First. And I'm not first right now, okay? So I think, now here's the saving grace. I don't think most of the time when we play this game that that's our intention. I think that what happens is, is that this love that I'm talking about becomes just a weird word that we say really to shame each other. It becomes a whip instead of what? A motivation, a goal, a dream, uh, a rest. Because the reality is, it's so easy to fall into the performance treadmill of Christianity. I've got to perform to stay in God's love. Whereas Jesus says, abide in me. Rest in my love. 
We have to understand this love. Who's got a boyfriend? Raise your hand. Don't make me call you out. Raise your hand if you have a boyfriend. The new people are like, I'm not doing it. It's okay. Pretend you are. Raise your hand if you have a spouse. (laughs) Raise your hand if you just don't like raising your hand. I'm just kidding. Okay, right? Raise your hand if you have a pet that you love. (laughs) Everybody's hand goes down. Raise your hand. Yeah, he just put his down immediately. I got one. I hate that thing. Anyway, raise your hand if you have a... (laughs) Raise your hand if you have a sibling that you love, that you're close with. Yeah. What? Raise your hand um, if you can say honestly, I have loved someone in my life deeply. Raise your hand if you have kids that you love. Yeah. Now, let me ask you a question. That's crazy and silly, right? I'm going to say this to begin, and then we're going to talk about it more. What if God loved you just like the way you love the thing you love most in your life, just that much? Whether it's your pet, your dog, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your husband, your wife, your mom, your dad, your friend. What if God loved you just, that was, that was the cap. He only loved you even as good as you love the person you love most on this earth. Let that sink in for a second. How would that make you feel? What would you be willing to do? And then what would you not be willing to do? Would you give it up? So I'm the oldest. Any oldest kids here? Siblings? No, wow. That's a lot. Any youngest? Middle? This is just clearly for my amusement. I don't, I have, this has nothing to do with this. We have a lot of oldest in here. Nice, rep. They just don't understand that life, do they? They don't understand that older sibling life. Uh, I, even Esther's back there like, no, they don't. They don't. They don't get it. Yeah, they don't get it. But here's the thing. I love, when you're an older sibling, at least for me, I'm the oldest son too, um, I love my siblings, even as a little kid. Like my job was to take care of them, and I did. I, I took care of my siblings. You know, I would say they would probably tell you at times I did not do that very well, um, but I know that they would tell you there's times I did. I love my siblings, and for a long time, that's the best love I ever knew. I love my siblings. Still do. I would still, if my sister, my little sister, she's got three kids, she ain't that little, but if she called me today. And she knows this. If she called me today and said, hey, bub, that's what she calls me when she likes me. When she doesn't, it's just LT. Hey, bub, well, you know, so-and-so is doing this to me. I'd probably put, take this off and leave, right? Maybe not be a pastor anymore <laughs> because I'd go take care of that. I would. I promise you I would because I love my sister, my brother too. You know, uh, we don't even get along that well. But if my brother called me and needed something, I'd be there for him. Because I love my brother. I love kids. I worked with teens most of my life. So before the church. So I worked with, with teens. And I love kids. I do. I've always loved kids. Probably because I am a giant kid. And like, they, uh, they like to have fun. And they're not mopey all the time. And uh, I don't know. I just love it. I love the innocence. I love the joy. I love kids. And most of us are motivated that way, right? That's why we say, you know, if you hurt kids, you don't deserve mercy. I hear that from a lot of people. That's, that's a lot of people's, like, untouchable thing. That's, that's their too far sin, by the way. That makes sense, right? We want to defend the innocence of that. I have a love for friends. I'm very loyal. And I'm sharing with you kind of my, my concept of love, and you can substitute yourself any, any way you want here. Very loyal, right? You know, so, so friendship, this is before Christ anything. I knew friendship, 
I'm going to be there for my, my boys, right? I'm loyal. I will be there. Um, Jack, you guys know him. He tells a story. He called me one time, me and my other buddy. And uh, probably not my story to tell, but who cares? So some guy was giving him a hard time at college. He's at Vincennes. You guys know where that's at? It's in Evansville. It's a, it's a long trip. Um, this is not an exaggeration. So he calls us, and I don't know how it came up. It's like, hey, doing, man? Or we called him. He's like, I'm all right, man. Weirdest thing happened. I just got punched. We're like, what? He goes, yeah, I was now, I ain't going to tell you why. He probably shouldn't have. But this guy punches him. So we're like, okay, man. And we, we're on our way. And we hang up the phone, and we get in the car from Napa, Indiana, and we're, we're driving down there. No joke. And he calls us back. He used to be very paranoid. <laughs> used to. And he's like, hey, don't do it. Please don't. They're going to kick me out of college. Please don't. Um, so we ended up not. But, but that's for real because I loved him, right? And that's like, you don't hurt my brother. I, it, it's cool to see parents' love for kids, right? I've seen, I, you know, I used to, I see that all the time. And, and in fact, I always had this thing in the church. It's kind of an, a joke. If you're new, you, you, you didn't get to hear this. But I used to constantly have to tell moms, like, hey, I actually love your kids. <laughs> I don't hate your family, right? Because mama bears, anything that takes time away from the kids, you want to kill the source of that. Um, which is often I become the symbol of that, even if I had nothing to do with it. Uh, so I often had to remind them, I love your children. I love your children because that's like a mama panther. But, uh, yeah, I had to do that because why? Because there's so much love there I want to take care of. I want to protect. You know, my mom was the same way with, with us. Uh, I remember, you know, <laughs> in sixth grade I tackled this kid. Stay with me. This is going somewhere. Uh, I tackled this kid for fun. That's, it it, we were play we were play joking in the classroom. It was on a rain recess. You guys remember recess? I don't think they have it anymore. And um, and recess, we had to hang out in the room. And no, they did that dangerous thing. They don't do it now. Well, there was no teacher in the room for like five ten minutes. So it was going down. And I was like, "There's my friend Jake." Well, she saw me, my teacher, who godly, very very mean lady, as I did this, and she didn't like me anyway. I don't know why. Something to do with my mouth. Um, talked a lot. So she came and she essentially alluded to that I wasn't allowed to do that because I was a big boy. You get what I mean? Yeah. And this was in sixth grade. So I remember this. My mom wasn't having none of that, right? Uh, my dad, you know, my dad, a little different than my mom, but in high school, I can handle myself at this point, but the basketball coach, so I'm up lifting for football. I think it was junior year. I come out and I go upstairs and somebody had left the door open because the gym was located near the basketball court where they practice indoor. And he looked up, he goes, shut the door, blah, blah, blah. And like cussing. And I'm like, I look down, I'm like, hey, man, we didn't, sh- we didn't open the door. <laughs> we didn't. And then he goes, why don't you shut up, fat? Mm-hmm. And then I said, yeah, great, nice. And I gave, him, I gave him some too, and it was nice. I tore him up. It was a good burn. It doesn't matter. So I go home, and my dad's not, my dad's not a real, like, lovey guy. He's not. But I happened to sit down and, like, hey, I was school today. I was like, well, you know, I talked. I, I was kind of more sharing, like, I took care of this teacher. I see my dad gets up, doesn't say a word, starts putting his shoes on. I'm like, what are you doing, Dad? Oh, I'm going to the school. My dad goes to the school, walks in the middle of basketball practice, and has words with this coach. Why? Well, he loved me. Right? There is a love that parents have for kids. I never had a driving passion to have kids myself. Never did. I had a mission and if I'm honest, like, I loved kids, but it was easy to, like, love them when I don't take them home, right? <laughs> I, I can love on them and then have a good time, and then it's like I don't have to deal with, you know, how that cramps my style. 
before I, so stay with me on that. But I kind of knew when I see that, that God all the time calls himself Father. You know in the Gospel of John that Jesus talks about God as his Father multiple times. Multiple, multiple times. It's kind of funny because in the Old Testament, God is only mentioned as Father, I think, 13 times. In the New Testament, it's somewhere, not exact, you little biblical scholars, but somewhere it's over 50. Over 50. I'm going to go through real quick and just talk to you about the Gospel of John. Listen to these verses. They'll be on the screen. It's a survey. If you, want to, you don't need to keep along. Just take notes with it. John 1.18. No one has ever seen God. This is Jesus. The one and only Son, the one who's at the Father's side. This is in this very beginning before the author of the Gospel. No one has ever seen God. The one and only Son, the one who's at the Father's side, he has revealed him. No one has seen the Father except the Son. John 3, 16 through 18, you know that one. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Oh, that's nice. That's the Sunday school verse. For God did not send his Son into the world that he might condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned. But anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. John 5, 16 through 20. That was Jesus again. Therefore the Jews began I'm sorry, persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus responded to them, My Father is still working, and I am working also. This is why the Jews began trying all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, in their words, making himself equal with God. Then Jesus replied, I assure you, the son is not able to do anything on his own, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son also does these things in the same way. For the father loves the son. Let's stop for a moment and envision that the Father, God, loves Jesus just as much as you love that one person. Let's start there. Can you do that? That one person, that pet? Just start there and say, the Father only loves, even if he only loves the Son as much as you love that person, let this sink in. The Father loves the Son and shows him everything he is doing, and he will show him greater works than these so that you will be amazed. And I already told you that at the very end, right, when we see Jesus praying in the garden, he says, Father, if there's a way for this cup to pass from my lips, please, Daddy, please. Does that change it? That he's not saying, Father, he's saying, Daddy, please, please, let there be another way. You take that off, guys. I'm coming to the other ones later. Splitting. I never had a driving passion to have kids. And I had a mission. And I have hesitated. Those the members of church know I have a daughter, a newborn daughter. She's three months old Friday. Um, I'll probably get emotional. I, I genuinely didn't. Anyone that would ask me would know that I was not about having kids. That's not my thing. I mean, I, I knew I was going to have them. It's not like I hated the concept. But it was always this future concept. And then Daisy came. 
And it's funny, the reason I don't talk about her, and I mean this, this is going to sound weird, I'm a weirdo, is because I, am, I don't want her to put her up here. That's so weird. Like, I'm being serious. I don't want to put her up here and, because I don't want the arrows to come from, that come from me sometimes to ever be aimed at her. That's the truth. You know, even, even when we knew she was coming, it was funny because, like, I, I, I was real. I was real the whole time. I used to ask a lot of the dads, you know, I asked you questions. Hey, man, when did you start feeling stuff? Was it, does it change things? By the way, some of y'all liars because you told me it doesn't change things. You're a liar. It changed everything. Um, or the, you have a sad, sad heart. Anyway, just kidding. You know, I remember the first time. They see the ultrasound where they're moving, and she actually had her foot in her mouth. Weirdest thing. I have a picture if you don't believe me. Somehow they can contort, right? Um, and I, I texted Tim, actually, at the time, and I, and I started crying. And I hit it, of course, because I was sitting, you know, nobody's talking to me. They're just doing the stuff themselves. They don't care that I'm there, but I'm over here like, what is happening? I'm leaking. And then the day that we had her, um, the doctor comes in, or the nurse, and I'm pretty perceptive, but it's both good and bad, because you can't really pull a lot over me, but it also makes me paranoid. Um, so she comes in, and she's, like, checking stuff and acting all weird, and I'm like, what's going on? And so nothing. She's just being naughty. And I'm like, what does that mean? She's being naughty, right? And I noticed at that time that, I don't know, guys, if you never knew this, I learned all this stuff. You hear the heartbeat of the mom, and you hear the heartbeat of the baby. They do both. They have this weird machine, all right? It's a strange, futuristic thing. Um, and I realized I couldn't hear it anymore because after a while, the two beats kind of just go together. You know, it's just background noise, and I wasn't hearing it. And I didn't know this, but essentially sometimes, don't yell it out, okay, just talk about it later. But this is my version of what it's called. Somehow from when I get, the, the cord kind of gets compressed, right? And then blood and oxygen and all those things do not get to the baby. And all of a sudden, she's still trying to be, like, calm. She is faking it, the nurse, and then when I noticed a bunch, like three other nurses come in and doing all this stuff and trying to move around and all this stuff, like I had to get up because um, I show things on my face and I got to stay calm, right, um, for a mom and I, for Mandy, so I went back and sat across the room and I, I stood up and it's so funny because this is the first time I realized that I had this love that I didn't really understand because I started raging against God. I, I confessed that. I said, if you do this, Right? There was a threat, like I'm threatening God. And I caught myself and realized, whoo, I forget who I'm talking to. I hadn't even met her. Then it came back and, you know, all of that. And then I remember the moment I saw her. This is fresh for me, so I'm sorry if this is you had 12 kids like the Joneses, you know. They probably <laughs> but it's still the same every time. I've talked to a lot of people, but my life changed from the moment that I don't see this thing till I see this little muscular blue thing. She was muscular and weirdly blue. And then also, they didn't think I heard him say, oh, yeah, the cord was wrapped around her neck a little bit. Ha ha. I was angry because I said this for months. I was like, hey, you know what's funny about this ultrasound? kind of looks like the cord's around her neck. Oh, no, it's not. Sorry, bitter still. Um, I this is true what I'm about to tell you. When I held her in the hospital, I actually started tearing up. And I knew, and it sounds dramatic, I knew in my mind it's kind of that story of like, yep, I'm done. Right? It's over for me. Like, I, the old me isn't gone. <laughs> He's gone. And I, uh, so I was holding her, and I was talking to her, and I said this. Now, keep in mind, I'm not doing it for anyone, because no one can hear me, and 
The nurses, and they, they pay no attention to me, really, after everybody's doing their own thing. And I, I out loud said this because I'm a talker, and I was like, how can I love you this much? And I don't even know you. But I did. And Mandy kind of said, well, hey, um, you know, isn't it crazy to think that God loves you as much as that? And I out loud said, reaction. It wasn't a thought. I go, that's not possible. I said that. That's not possible. I thought I knew what love was. And I have. I've loved, right? I've loved. But it's a different kind of love. Right? And those that know me, my friends, people keep coming. I didn't realize how much of a monster I appeared until I've had my daughter's always like, wow, you show emotion? I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, I'm like, daddy loves you. And they're like, my. I could literally see some of the guys here going, what is happening? And I realized, I was like, who was I before? A raging barbarian? Like, I, I, I don't know. It's such a weird thing. I delight in every smile and every laugh and every cry, even the dirty diapers. Even when she punched me in my eye, which really happened recently, my eye was open, and she punched me square in my eye. All right? <clears throat> I was slightly proud. <laughs> you know, the other night I was worried about her hands getting cold, like to the point where it almost caused me anxiety, and I was like, you got to go check, you got to check her hands out. Like, her hands are stuck out of the blanket. It's cold in here. She's like, it's fine. I'm like, I'm telling you right now, either you do it or I do it, and if I do it, she's going to get up. I cry when I bumped her head <laughs> recently. I shouldn't tell you that, but I did. What happened was I put cold water on her accidentally. It was bad. Yeah, everybody's like, you idiot. I know. I didn't know. I was warm. I had her in warm water, and I went to rinse, and I forgot to turn it back to warm, and then she didn't like that. Then I panicked and bumped her head, and it was just a disaster. It was the, it was the crying that really. I cried when I did that. For real. I never, ever, ever want to hurt her. That's the God-honest truth. Like when she's crying, I don't know why. I catch myself every time. Nobody's around, so I'm telling you guys this because I haven't talked about it a lot. And I pick her up and I say, hey, daddy's never going to leave you alone. I'm never going to leave you. I say that every time. She has no clue what I'm saying. Probably. She's very smart. I don't know. I never want to hurt her. I truly, guys, never want to cause her sadness. I never want, the very thought of it breaks my heart. Like for it legitimately breaks my heart. And the thing is, is I still process what all this means for me in my life. I had the realization as we come to Christmas, the baby in a manger, that Jesus was a baby. Jesus was Daisy. Jesus cried and wept and had dirty diapers and grabbed Joseph's thumb probably, right? And smiled that first smile and did that weird thing they do where they go, <laughs> Maybe even punched him in the eye. I don't know. He was a tiny, grinning, poopy baby. And the father gave him up. Would you give up the thing that you said you love more than anyone? Don't say you would. If you wouldn't, would you? Whether it's your dog, whether it's your brother, sister, mom, dad, would you give it up? The father gave his son up. For the one thing he loved even more. Does that shock you? Yeah, right? You. You. Us. It's surreal to think that Jesus, that baby in the manger that we're all going to go, yay, was born to die. 
that baby was born to die. If someone told me today, in 33 years, Daisy's going to die. But don't worry, it's going to be for everyone else. No. No. I will not let you. Some of us, many of us, have such an imperfect view of Father due to the limitations of our earthly father. There is no perfect father. And that's so hard for me to accept too, is that no matter how much I try, I'm going to cause wounds to her. That I'm going to be imperfect. But it doesn't change this simple fact. And that's why God relates to us as father is that, and this is weird, this is deep, stay with me, that even if we didn't have a great father, let's say you had the, the worst, maybe you had a father who was truly hurt you, Okay, and, and has never changed. Maybe to this day you don't have a relationship. Maybe you've never seen them. You still know what a good father is. It's born in your heart. You know what it is because if you didn't know what a good father is, how would you know your bad one wasn't good? You know what a good father is. You know and long for it. Why? Because it's written into your heart. Why is it that fatherhood has been attacked so much in our culture? It has. Because it's important. That baby was born to die so that you and I could live. Would you do it? Would you give it up? Your spouse? Some of you right now, you, you know, would you, what would you give up? I say dog, but here's the blunt truth. Some, and you all laugh. Some of you would not give your dog up to save a human's life. That's a fact. I'm not even here to shame you about it, but let's be real. That's just your dog. Your cat, ugh, right? That cat will eat you, by the way, if you ever paralyzed. That's a fact. I just want you all to know that. I don't want to ruin your life here, but if the cat all of a sudden tomorrow grew the size of a panther, he'd eat you. Little, little, some of you are like, no, he wouldn't. Timmy wouldn't. Yeah, he would. He'll eat you, right? <laughs> anyway. Uh, <clears throat> I, want, I want to read some more scripture. I showed you what Jesus said about himself and his relationship with the Father, right? Did I do that? The Father, no? Yeah? Okay, I'm just seeing if you're with me. I'm going to assume you're deep in thought. John 14, 22, same, same chapters. Gospel of John. Well, that's wrong. But ignore that. Get rid of that. Uh, whatever. Let's go to John 14, 1 through 3. Boy, I hope this is right. Yeah, there we go. Your heart must not be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If not, I would have told you. I'm going away to prepare a place for you. If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come back and receive you to myself so that where I am, you may also be. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. You get to live with this Father. Okay, that's cool. You're going to let me come stay the night. Let's keep going. John 16, 27. For the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. The Father loves you. Okay, so now we've established you get to stay in the house over a sleepover, and the Father loves you. Let's keep going. This one's going to be in Romans. Romans 8, actually. You, got, you jumped ahead. I told you. He's like, ah. 
Go to Romans 8, uh, 14 through 17 first, guys. You got that one? There we go. All those led by God's Spirit are God's sons or daughters. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Abba is Daddy. It's a term of endearment. It's a term of close relationship. It is Daddy. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. And if children, this is, wake up, this is important. I know you know. And if children also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, seeing that we may suffer, that we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. Not Okay, so now we're building here. Not only do you get to stay in the Father's house, not only does he love you because you love Jesus, now he has taken you and he has made you his own. He has made you a child, his child, his son or daughter, to the point that he looks at you and sees Jesus, that you are co-heirs in the love of Christ. I mean in the love of God. In the love of the Father, you are co-heirs. Let that sink in. That the same way the Father loved Jesus, he loves you. Some could say, in a way more so perhaps, because he wasn't willing to lose you. He wasn't willing to let you go to the place you, you want. Romans 8.32, how do I know that? Todd, that's nearly blasphemy. No, it isn't. Listen to this. He did not spare, he did not even spare his own son, but offered him up for us all. What is Paul saying? How much does he love you? He gave his son for you. How, how will he not also with him grant us everything? You make excuses for God as soon as I said that. Not everything. Only in his will. Okay, duh. He did not spare his own son, but offered him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? Paul's saying, do you not get it? You doubt him? He gave his son up for you. If he already did that to ensure that you get to come home, be adopted, be who you were meant to be, his son, his child, how much more will he do? You don't think he wants to give you good things? And this isn't going to be up there. We're going to jump in. I want to, we talked about this in the kingdom series, but I want to say it again. Luke 12, 32, this is Jesus. He says, don't be afraid, little flock, because your father delights to give you the kingdom. Delights. The way that I delight in Daisy, the father delights in you. Some of you don't get it still because you're still comparing it to your father. Stop. Compare it to your love for whatever you love the most. That's the best place to start. And he loves you more than you love them. I'm sorry to tell you that. Okay? Jill's 12 kids. God loves her more than she loves those kids. I can say her name. The rest of you get mad if I say your name. Right? He does. Jason, he loves you more than you love your wife. Bottom line. That's a fact. Let that sink in. That is... Life-changing. A lot of our religion that, that makes it confusing to understand love is because we try to come up with answers to things in order to make excuses for God that he doesn't need. 
What do you mean? Well, I've got to explain to people why bad things happen to good people. I have to explain it. And if I don't explain it, then, and the best way to explain it is to say that God wants your good, even if that's giving you poison. Think about it for a minute. We say that his good, deep down, stay with me, you don't believe his good is the same as your good for the person you love. You don't believe that. Me either. We, we kind of try to accept this because you love God. You do. You accept this strange reality where it's like, yeah, I know he loves me, but the reason I'm scared of him is because I know his love hurts. Why? Why is that what we first think of? The truth is, we are in this dark world that has rebelled against your father, and he protects you. Did you know that? I want to tell you something right now. If you're a Christian in this room, you don't know what life, it doesn't matter how late you came in, you don't know what might have happened had it not been for your father's hand. You don't know what might have happened. Some of you tangibly know the difference. You know what life was before, so you say, oh, it's only because I started living better. How do you think you did that? Your father did that to you. You don't know what was going to happen to you. And a lot of the, you people live in this strange world where you would rather someone call you by a clinical diagnosis rather than realize that maybe the issue is deep down, it's hard for you to accept that you were loved by a holy God. And so you spend your life looking for love in all the wrong places. It's not just bodies. Maybe I'm the only one that this impacts, but the fact that, I, that God the Father loves me at bare minimum, as much as I love Daisy, changes my life. That's why I couldn't. That's why the real Todd in that moment when the filter was gone said, that's not possible. Because you know why? And I've been thinking about it since. It's because, well, I wouldn't let that happen to Daisy. But then I start thinking, wouldn't I? What would I do to keep her from getting hurt? I'm about to like look like a lunatic. Would I grab her? Put her in a room and lock the door if I knew she was going to go kill herself? If I knew that that day she was going to take drugs and it was going to kill her, what would I do to stop her? That would seem so cruel. No, you're not letting me go to the party. Let's say somehow I had a vision and I knew it was going to happen. Does it look, that's cruel, isn't it? I say, if you go, you're going to die. No, I'm not, Dad. You're an idiot. It's fine. I got this. I'm not suggesting lock your kid in a, in a closet. Don't go tell everyone I told you that. Do not cut this and make that. But, hey, I'm saying I might if I knew it was going to save her. You know, I've said this a lot of times to an infant. I've done this. You know, I just had to tell Miles. I used to, it's been a while since I told Miles' story. I had another one today. I was like, oh, he's grown. He was upstairs by the exact place he got his head stuck in the, in the bars. No joke, I promise you. This is a funny story if you haven't been here. I'll tell it again. Miles gets his head stuck in the bars numerous times. Um, and he was up there, and I said, Miles, you can't be up there. And guess what? He came down. I go, in my mind, I didn't make a big deal. I'm like, oh, my gosh. He just came down. He, he grew. Normally, he goes, eh, ran away, you know, runs away. <laughs> If you don't know him, he just makes guttural sounds. That's the truth. But in those moments, the reason in the past he didn't is because he didn't believe I was out for his good. He thought I just wanted to stop him from having fun. Like the one time he got his head stuck in there, I literally said, hey, Miles, stop or your head's going to get stuck again. <laughs> Ten minutes later, I think Lucy came and goes, Todd, Miles' head's stuck again. <laughs> so I go out and as I laugh, I pull the bars out and get his head out. 
But he doesn't think that in the moment. We have to accept that the Father, that the promise he makes are real. You've already said you believe that a man raised from the dead. Then believe this. We know this to be true, that God works out all things for the good of those who believe according to his purposes. His purposes are always what, though? Good. Now, I can't grasp, put my mind around that yet. Well, people die, and yeah, they do. But when someone knows Christ, to die is to gain. Paul says it. To live is Christ, to die is gain. A study in Revelation. It was the first time this week I had a really good conversation with a bunch of men here. If you were in there, hey, all right. And I told at the end, I used to be scared to death of it every time I read that. And now all of a sudden, for the first time, I was kind of excited. I'm like, dude, I win. It's about to be awesome. All right? I am going to have a nice body that doesn't have this probably. Right? It's glorified. I get to help rule. I get to, this, man, I get to hang out with David and Jesus and all the people, man. We're just so, you know, like a baby. You know, in that moment when I put the cold water on Daisy's back, or when I gave her her first bath, well, this is terrifying. You are cleansing me. I hate this, right? But then it's like, oh, I like being clean. This is nice until I, daddy puts the cold water on you, and then that's miserable. But here's the thing. God doesn't make mistakes like I do. He doesn't accidentally turn the cold water on. If the cold water comes, he has a purpose. Do you understand? The crux of a lot of people's issues with God beyond pride Pride's number one. You just don't like to be told what to do and don't like to admit that you aren't God. And TikTok's not God and Oprah and whoever else tells you that you have. You know, some of you kids and teens, man, you, are, you like think you're miniature clini- clinical psychologists. I have uh, Jim G, 2BD, uh, PT, SR, PS2. Like, you know, the reality is that stuff's real, but sometimes, man, people are making you focus on what's wrong in life instead of what's good. Why? Because it's better to say something's wrong with you. That keeps you relying on the system. You get what I'm saying? I got too deep there. Conspiracy. Um, He loves you. Do you believe that? It doesn't matter if you believe in your heart. Do you believe the Bible, just today, I could show you more, has proven? Has it proven that to you? Or do you think I took it out of context? Give me a nod or a shake. Do you believe that? Thank you. Because it's true. Now, that's why I said up here. I can tell you this, and I'm still working it out. But he does. So what does it mean if God is our Father? Let's think this through logically. All right? You guys got this? No? We got a list for this? No? There it is. Nice. (sighs) It's my fault, guys. I'm all over. Number one, what does it mean if God is our Father? He loves us, flaws and all. When Daisy punched me in the eye, and it really did happen, her little fist just fit right in my eyeball, and my eye was open. Have you ever had your eye poked when it's open? I didn't even get to do this because it was unexpected. Because normally she's like, she's getting eye-hand coordination. So it was like, right? I wasn't angry. I wasn't. I laughed because I delight in her. It was funny. She has these little tics that are, you know, she, I, I, I'm smiling now. I don't want to say it because someday she'll be like, Dad, why'd you tell everyone what I did? But it's the truth, right? 
I had my first peed on me experience. This happened, right? Actually, now I think about it, I kind of got her back. So I'm getting her ready for this bath with the cold water. This just happened. Yes, I pick her up. I take the diaper off. I remember thinking, I was like, well, I hope she doesn't poop on me. I just changed her diaper, too, the pee diaper. I hold her. I take her in there. I'm getting the water ready. I'm like, ah. All of a sudden, I have the water on. I'm feeling the warmth. And I'm like, wow, that's weird. I think the water is, like, spraying on me. I'm getting warmth on my stomach and just urine all the way down and all of a sudden, her crying stopped, and she's like, right? But it didn't make me mad. I can't imagine a world where someone's going to pee on me, and I'm actually laughing and, go, and, and thinking it's cute, right? That's so weird. Oh, it's cute that you peed on me. No. I, I love her flaws and all, and I am flawed. You know, Jesus tried to make that point, right? Remember when Jesus gives this analogy, and he says, what father, when his son asks for a piece of bread, gives him a stone? Right? That, that's really deep. Hey, mom, can I have some bread? Yeah, here's a rock. Right? And then he says, and you, if you who are evil in comparison to the father do that, how much more will the father do for you? Because he's not evil. He never has bad motives. He never has a bad day. He's never impatient, never tired, never sick. Never. He lo- so here's the newsflash. Yes, he loves me, but he doesn't know this bad side of me. Yes, he does. The Bible says he knit you in your mother's womb. He knew what you were going to be. He knew the effects this sinful world would have on you. I, I, maybe I'm the only one, but I, I try to pretend, like, fool him. Like, as long as I show him only my good stuff. And I feel like a lot of times I envision him kind of going, why are you hiding? Right? That's the funny story in Genesis. Where are you? And Adam's like, you can't see us. I don't think you can see us. <laughs> right? Adam, I see you. You've got a, you just got a leaf over you. Right? That's what it's like. He knows us, flaws and all, and he loves us. Number two, I led into that. He knows us. He knows our fears. He knows our hearts. He knows our desires. No, the, our desires don't always get met in the way we want. But he delights in giving us gifts. He delights in blessing us. Did you know that? We live this world where it's like we have to earn it like, like an allowance. Well, I'll get my 20 blessings if I do my chores. No, he delights in that. Every time I go to the store... I never knew I'd be this guy. I'm embarrassing myself telling you all this. I buy girls' clothes every time. Every single time. I buy clothes for her. Why? I don't know. She doesn't appreciate it right now, right? She ain't like, thanks, Dad. No, she's just like, <laughs> you know, she doesn't care what she wears, but I want to buy her things. I search online for things. Like, I can't, man, if you saw my search history, you know, tiny baby girls' clothes that say Daddy loves you. You know, weird stuff. Like, why? Because I delight in that. And if I am evil in the sight and compared to God, how much more does he delight in giving me good gifts? Gifts that I don't even always appreciate. <laughs> I already led. Number three, here we go. He delights in you. <laughs> wants to bless you. I already explained that. Did you know he wants to? Todd, you better be careful. Guys, listen, I preached on heresy of saying that God's going to only give you good, right? We know that bad things happen and God equips us to get through it. But don't take it too far the other way in which God is this taskmaster with a ruler ready to hit you and never takes care of you. He delights in you and wants to bless you. 
You ready for a secret that you don't want to admit? Remember I told you to think of the person, the thing you love the most? You think you love that better than God loves you. Yes, you do. You think that you love that person or thing more than God loves you. You think you love better than God. Yes, you do. Because if you didn't, you wouldn't be worried all the time. Because in your mind, you'd be like, well, I know I wouldn't do that to so-and-so. Some of your faces look, like, mm-hmm, I know I do. No, you don't. You do not love your kids, your wife, your dog, <laughs> your horse, I don't know, your car more and better than God loves you. Number four, he never, ever, ever wants you hurt. It grieves him. How do I know? God, this is the mystery of the Trinity, right? God, Jesus, with the Father, Jesus grieved when people were sad. He cried because Mary and Martha and them cried. The Bible's filled in the Old Testament where it says that, that the Father, that God grieved over the state of Israel, that he grieved over his people turning from him, that he is jealous, not in the weird, creepy sense, but like, how could you do this to me? I love you. He never wants you hurt. It grieves him when, you, when, when things happen to you. You know, when the Bible tells us to what? Weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Remember, the whole point is, is that the Bible's teaching us to be more like who? Jesus. Jesus is God. God is the Father. Which means what? That when you weep, he weeps for you too. You don't have to earn his love. Jesus already did it. Number five. This is a big one. He will always come through for you. Why? Because he already has. I'm not going to sit here and tell you there aren't times I question God. There aren't times that it feels cruel, that I don't live moments when I mess up and go before him and beg him not to let things happen. Please don't punish me or discipline me. I've said that. I have to say discipline because you Christians have taught me that there's a difference between punishment and discipline. No, there isn't. It's just a fancy word. In our own mind, when we, when we use the verse where God disciplines those he loves, you know what you're really meaning. I don't believe that. God is not going to punish us twice. All his wrath was poured out on Christ. How can he punish you again? Well, Todd, what's the verse mean? Discipline looks different. Discipline means training. Right? Quit thinking of it as punishment. It's correction. It's teaching. It's redirection. And sometimes that hurts, but that's different than you did bad, whack. He always comes through for you. How far will you go for the one I told you to think about? Will you, would you spend your last dollar to make sure they were okay? Would you talk to them when they're tired? Would you go to work when you're really exhausted and don't feel like going to work? Would you go to work when you're sick? Yeah, because some of you do. Because you will sacrifice yourself for those you love just like the Father did, just like Christ did. And if you who are evil love that well, and it's beautiful, how much more does the Father love you? How much more will he sacrifice what he's already shown you to the death? God loves you as his child. The gospel is proof of that. I can already tell some of you, man, your hearts don't want to hear that because you're mad. Some of you are so mad at God that you don't want to believe he loves you that way. Because then if you admit that, then you might have to admit that whatever 
it was that hurt you, right? That you might have to let it go. That it might not be justification anymore for what you do. God loves you as his child. The gospel is proof of that. The cross is the payment for that. And Christ's resurrection is the assurance of that. Is that too fast for you, Zach? You get that? He's like, you said my name. Yeah, are you with me? <laughs> That's my family. I can say that to him, right? His wife's like, I'm going to punch you later, Todd. Christ's resurrection is the assurance that the promise is made. I love, man, in the most terrifying moment when Christ was on the cross. Guys, I'm telling you, when he says it is finished, man, that's so powerful. I believe that was his humanness saying, I'm done with this pain. But it meant far more than that, didn't it? It's over. It's finished. The payment is over. What does a good earthly father love like? What does it look like? And I want to take a second, and this isn't in my notes because I think it's important. Hey, dads out there, you mess up. Okay? You mess up. Sometimes you did it intentionally. Sometimes you didn't. But the point of this isn't to shame you. The point of this isn't to say, I am a terrible father. If that's what you're hearing, right, that's the enemy. Because there is no condemnation in Christ. And if you put your faith in him, that's not what God sees. Instead, let it be inspiration for you to move forward and to model the kind of love that the father gives you. What is a good earthly father love like? What is a good spouse love like? You ready? I'll tell you. Because, you know, you like yourself most. What do you love like? What does a good friend love like? God's love far surpasses that. I'm, I mean, it does. Now, as we come and we think this week, and it's going to tie to this, and you come, I hope, to our candlelight Christmas Eve service. It's just cool. But if you come to that, wherever you're at, whether you're here, whether you're at another church, whether you're at home, whatever, and you're thinking, and I hope you do, I hope you let yourself think and not just, hey, away in a manger. All beautiful. I don't know all the words. Anyway, all these beautiful things, right? Oh, beautiful baby, and he's glowing. That baby was born to die so that you could live. Yes, we praise God for the birth of Christ, but in a morbid way, may we remember, right? It's sort of morbid. May we remember that, that the reason that baby's birth is so glorious is because of what his death accomplished for us. I know this, this year will be different for me when I think of the baby in the manger. And I think of the father. Having to look at his son and saying, Dad, please, there has to be another way. And then he turns his back on him. For you, for me. That kind of love is what we celebrate this Christmas. Well, Todd, I thought that's what Easter's for. No, it's all the same, man. We celebrate the life because of the death that brings life. Be motivated today. Walk out of here in confidence that your Father loves you. Walk out of here with a renewed desire to reflect the love of your Father that you have an obligation, that you are a part of the household of God. Your big brother Jesus told you how to live. And now you might understand Paul's words that in the midst of trial and, and 
tough situations and scary times in the world, that to live is Christ and to die is gain. To live is I will reflect his love to everyone I meet because that's the last commandment he gave us. Jesus said, I give you this command. Love each other as I have loved you. How, how did he love? All the way to the cross. He loves us that much. And if you're in the room today and, and you know, you, you don't, you can't confidently say, not with the little doubts we have, but you can't confidently say, no, I don't think I'm a part of God's household. I've been bitter or arrogant or prideful or I don't understand it. I'm going to tell you here, the, God made everything perfect. It's time to stop being mad at him. He built a beautiful house. We started a fire in it. And he has told us, God said, you know, made everything perfect, made us in it. And he said, there's really only one rule. I'm the father and you're the child. I'm God and you're not. I will tell you what right and wrong is. And we said, nah. And so he said, you don't want to live in this house? Then okay, leave. And we can't return home. Not only that, but we've become enemies of God. We rejected him. And in that moment, the, the connection was severed. Like a tree without its roots, we began to die. That is sin. Sin is a nature. That means it's happening. It's inside of you. And it's all the acts that you do out of that. An unhealthy tree is dying inside, right? It's rotting, but you see it on its leaves too, don't you? Sometimes we live in a world where everybody tries to fix the leaves. Let's spray paint them gold or let's trim them or let's, let's make them look better. And then you wonder why you still feel sick. You still feel not well. You still don't feel whole. It's because you aren't fixing the rot inside because you are incapable of it. The Bible says that you are storing up wrath from yourselves, that we are separated, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That sin leads to death and that we are storing wrath for ourselves. Listen to me. You are an enemy of God without Christ. That your best actions, your best days, your best love are filthy rags in comparison to the holiness of God. There is no joy without the acceptance of who you are without him. It's only good news if you know how bad the news is without him. You are separated. You are dead. And you just don't know it yet. But the Father's love was so great that he sent his only son to invade this earth, live in a frail, fleshly body, show us what it's like to live in the house, what it used to be like in the kingdom, what it used to be like with our Father, who he is, what he's like. And then it did something incredible. He paid the debt that we owed. And I used to say I don't get that. Man, I would do that for Daisy. Right? And I am not good. The Father is. So Jesus, on the cross, you've all heard the story, that baby in the manger, crib for his head, then he died on a cross. That doesn't have the same ring of it, ring to it. On the cross, he died a terrible physical death. And the reason the Father turned his back on the Son is in that moment he bore the weight of all of your sins. What do you mean, our sins? No, I think it's best you understand it was yours. That had it just been you, your sins were enough to put him on the cross. I'm a pretty good person. No, you're not. Not in comparison to Christ. That is bad, bad news. The good news, though, is Jesus did say it's finished. And he overcame death. And he was raised on the third day. We taught dead men don't come to life. That's cool. 
and people used to think the world was flat. The fact is, he was raised from the dead. 500 witnesses believe it, okay? Saw it, I mean. 12 hobos started a church that to this day you're sitting in. How did that happen? Because God is real. A bunch of uneducated fishermen, criminals, started a movement that to this day exists. Why? Because God is real, Christ is real, and he is now, right now, alive, not as a ghost, seated at the right hand of the Father. The scripture says, interceding on our behalf, meaning, what? That they're with us, Father. They're with us, Daddy. That's your kid. And so what happens on the cross is a crazy thing. We come and we have to do something. You have to do something. You have to give up being God. You got to give up your, your God that, of TikTok and your God of sex and your God of relationships and all the things you've done to make yourself feel whole. You have to give it up. You have to reverse the decision in which we said, no, I'll be God. And you say to him, you are God. And you admit your flaws. You admit your failures. You admit that you're dirty and, and sinful and you, you are what you are. You say, I need your help. The Bible says if you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and was raised from the dead, you will be saved. Period. We give him our sin, and inexplicably, that wouldn't be enough because then we could do more bad things, right? Jesus gives us his sonhood. He gives us his perfect life so that when the Father looks at us, he doesn't just say, yeah, there's some crappy kids I let in the house, but he says, this is my son, this is my daughter with whom I'm well pleased. You can have that today. And if you aren't sure of that, it doesn't matter if the person next to you is. It doesn't matter if you don't believe me. And it doesn't matter that Oprah says it's not true. Okay? The reality is the only person that will have to deal with your decision at the end of your life is you. And make no mistake, you will bow before Christ. Either now or later. So, if that's you today, your father loves you. Even today, he's calling out to you. Don't leave here the same as you came in. We're not going to do an altar time today because it's just become a thing that most of our members do to get through before they go have a meal. If you're in the room and you want that, come find me. Find someone in the blue shirt. Find your friend that invited you, and I would love to pray with you and assure you of the truth. It doesn't matter what you've done, that that one decision means it's finished, that you become a son or daughter of the Most High King. And if you're in the room today and you fooled everybody for a long time, you're a member here maybe, and deep down you go, I haven't really ever put my faith in Christ. Please, please stop the game because it's not a game. It's life or death. All right? And if you are, let, you know, if that's not you, let yourself rest in joy. Let this, this season be joyful because of the fact that your Father loves you. You can celebrate his love because it's true. It's over. There's no condemnation. It's finished. I hope and pray that you can walk out of here today not weighed down, not sad, not self-hating, because your Father loves you so much. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for your goodness and your mercy. God, I thank you that you are our Father, our good, good Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you did for us. Thank you for being willing to sacrifice something none of us would be willing to do just because you love us enough to do that. I pray everyone in this room would walk out of here with just a smidgen more understanding of how much you love them. We praise you, God, and we, we celebrate you, Lord Jesus. We celebrate your life. 
We celebrate what your death did for us. We celebrate just living, and we praise you, Father. Help us to love others and each other the way that you've modeled for us, and may your church truly be a light this holiday season. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen.